Welcome to Academic Medicine Leadership Lessons, brought to you by the Society of Teachers of Family Medicine. On this podcast, we speak with leaders in academic medicine about a variety of leadership topics. And now, your host, Dr. Saria Carter-Sicosio. So today we have with us on our SCFM podcast, Dr. Tammy Chang. She is a health services researcher and a practicing family physician. She's also been on the board of directors for NAPCRE, your North American Primary Care Research Group, and the Society of Teachers of Family Medicine Board. We're so glad to have you with us, Dr. Chang, and a couple of your accolades include receiving the Distinguished Trainee Award from NAPCRAIG and also the chair of the research committee. So you have been highly involved in research and family medicine, and I'm so excited that you're able to join us today to talk about what it's like being a mentor and how to be a good one. Thank you for having me, Saria. Yeah, so let's jump right into the topic. And I'm curious, and everyone has a different answer to this question, and I want to hear, what does it mean to you to be a good mentor, to be a strong mentor to others? You know, I think being a really good mentor means putting yourself in the shoes of the people that you're working with and teaching and helping and learning from. I think that's something that's sometimes hard because society keeps changing and what society needs keeps changing. And so thinking not so much about what your experiences were, but trying to put yourself in the shoes of the people that you're charged to help and lead and and grow. I know that that's one of my biggest challenges is, you know, I'm not trying to create another person like me. I'm trying to help that person be the best that they can be and to serve the needs of society today and tomorrow. And that's that's a really hard and, and tricky thing, and it takes a lot of time to understand a person and and help them to develop a sense of meaning and purpose and then help them to develop a plan to get there. So some really great thoughts there. And what stuck out to me was, was something that I think is important for every mentor to remember. And sometimes we're challenged as we've lived our own lives. What you said is it's important to get into their shoes rather than expecting them to fill yours. And that is so critical as we're trying to help people develop as their own leaders. So tell us how you get started with a mentorship relationship. What does that look like? What do you expect? And how much time does that usually take? A mentorship relationship is so special. It's, you know, one of the the deepest and most um, cherished relationships that I have in my my life. And it's one of the things that brings me the most joy and fulfillment in my work. And so I think that each one looks really different because each person is really different and has different needs and different um, goals. You know, every person also needs a different thing. I think in this day and age when we talk a lot about, you know, being fair and equitable, you know, I look across my mentees and I think, I, you know, it's not the same thing that everybody needs. I need to give everybody what they need, not everybody the same thing. And that takes time to understand what that means. A lot of just self-forgiveness when you make mistakes as a mentor, but making sure that from the get-go, you know, my mentees understand that I have their back 100%, that no matter what happens, that I'm going to be there for them. And, you know, if that's once a week meeting, then it's a once a week meeting. If it's a twice a week meeting, if it's a once a quarter meeting, it is what it is. But knowing that things happen in life and they might need to call me sometime and I'm I'm always there for them. 
I think that that's one of the most critical things that a mentor can do is to make sure that their mentees feel secure. Because in this day and age, we need our young leaders and our young um, researchers and physicians to take risks and do really big things. And it's scary to do really big things because there's always a chance that you're going to fail. And unless you feel like people have got your back, um, you might not take that risk. And we need people to take those risks to do really big and maybe crazy ideas that can really change the world. And that's what I see my job as a mentor is to let people know, hey, I've got your back. No matter what happens, I'm on your side and that you should go for it. Wow. And so many ways of the description you give as being a mentor and having a mentee is very similar to the physician-patient relationship that we have in family medicine and how that works and how we personalize the care and being flexible in what those needs are. Um, so often that is the case. And one of the reasons why I truly admire and believe we need many more family physicians as mentors um, in education, academics, and across our healthcare space. So again, thank you for all that you do as a mentor. It, it's clear I want to be one of your mentors now, that's for sure, or one of your mentees rather, a mentee for you. So that being said, can you share what is the value to the mentee of having that relationship? Because sometimes we see that we have mentees who are assigned to us and then others where it's a self-selection. So if you could speak to the value one way or the other and how you've seen both processes work. I think you describe it really well, Surya, is that sometimes you choose um, who's going to be your mentor or mentee and sometimes you don't. And I mean, there's a few ways that I like to look at it. One is just like in any other relationship you have, um, whether it be a friend or a partner or, or you know, a coworker, um, you know, you get to choose how you interact with them. And sometimes the mentee and mentor aren't a good match, that there might be stylistic differences or, you know, other things that just make it not work out. And it could even just be a logistical thing. And I always tell people not to feel bad about that. You know, if anything, just to be cognizant and to be aware and to say thank you from both ends as a mentor and as a mentee. And sometimes it'll just be a one meeting thing. And that's okay. Because people need different things and there's lots of people out there. And I want people to to always end up with someone who's going to give them what they need and be the kind of person that they need at that moment in their life. And sometimes it's not going to be me or, you know, it's, it's, and that's okay. And I think giving people permission to say, hey, this was awesome. I, you know, let me see if there's other people who might be a better fit for you. There's just so many benefits of having a good mentor. And to a mentee. And I say that from the place of being a mentee of some people who have just been fantastic mentors to me. And so, you know, one of the things that I always say to people is a really, really good mentor can make or break your your life. And I'm not saying make or break your career, just make or break your life because they really help you to go down the right path for you. You know, one of the things I say to my mentees all the time is that I'm not here to help you win the career game. You know, that's that's not what we're doing here. We're here to win the life game. You know, we're looking for you to have a joyful, fulfilling life, having time to reflect on what that means to them and helping them work through that. That's not easy. That's That takes time and you need to find the right person who cares about you and connects with you to do that. And so it's okay if, you know, you meet with a person once and that's it. Um, I always give people permission to just find that right person 
and um, let go of people who might not be that right person. What a great story. And I love that about winning the life game. It's so important to remember that the work that we do is also who we are and the joy in life and the joy in practice. And they so often intersect and overlap with one another. And now that being said, as we talk about our personal life and work, we also see that overlap in relationships, including a mentor and a mentee relationship. So I'm interested in your thoughts about how personal does that become? Is this someone who becomes a Facebook friend, someone that you join socially? Do you keep a distance or what do you recommend in that space as a mentor? I think that that, again, is really dependent on the person. I think people who feel comfortable and maybe are more extroverted would really thrive in having an environment and, you know, interactions which kind of overlap with personal. And then I have mentees who would feel really uncomfortable with that. And my job as a mentor is to recognize that and not put people in situations that would make them uncomfortable. You know, my whole job is to help them feel as comfortable and confident and empowered as possible. And that's part of it. That being said, I always give all of my mentees my cell phone number. Um, I tell them I'm there for them 24-7, 365. If something bad happens, call me directly right away. We'll work on it together. Um, And I think for anybody, it's nice. I mean, how many people have really needed to come to me, you know, with urgently on on a research problem or something like that? It's not often. You know, a lot of times it's interpersonal, something that happens. But I know for my mentors who've done this for me, just knowing that I could call them if something happened makes a really big difference. And I personally love to have my mentees and colleagues and peers and um, friends with me. But, you know, I don't. I don't feel bad if, if people aren't comfortable with that. That's okay. Yeah. So echoing on the theme that you brought up earlier um, in regard to individualizing that relationship with a mentee, that's very important, of course. And also bringing up again, I've got your back. I'm here for you. I'm here to support you. That's really important. Um, so I'm curious having all of the experiences that you've had as a mentor and also being a mentee, I think many of us will continue to be mentees for the rest of our lives, as well as serving as mentors. Can you share with our listeners today, what are some lessons learned that you've experienced either the hard way or observing from others or have been cautioned about? Because I think that's really important as you go through the process and, and we learn as we go. And as you mentioned earlier, sometimes we make mistakes and we learn from those and the importance is the awareness. So what would you add? I think that in the last five or 10 years, one of the most important things that I've done and if practice is self-forgiveness. I think that we all care so much about our work and our teaching and our mentorship. And as a mentor, I think we can feel really bad when things don't go the way that we hope for ourselves or even worse for our mentees. And, you know, in order to be our best for them, you know, I've really had to practice self-forgiveness for not saying the right thing or doing the right thing or giving the right advice or not giving, you know, not saying something and being able to forgive myself. It's it's almost like a meditative practice at night. You know, I'll literally call up all the things that I regret or wish I would have done better and forgive myself. And then I forgive other people who might have done something to me that made me feel bad and just to let it go so that tomorrow I can wake up in the morning and then be my best self again. 
for myself and for my mentees. And that's not something that's automatic. It's not natural, I think. I think it takes really deliberate practice. But over these last five or 10 years, you know, that's one of the things I'm most proud of. I think most people can relate to this this feeling of just feeling bad, you know, for not being perfect. And I have to remind myself that people aren't perfect and that's okay. Grace is indeed good. And it reminds me of some wise words I've, I've heard from colleagues, peers, myself, there are two ways to lead. You can either lead through fear or you can lead through love and to love yourself, to love others. And that self-forgiveness and forgiving of others, I think opens up the world. That level of humility and vulnerability goes so far. So again, I really want to be your mentee, Dr. Chang. <laughs> and and so I have no doubt that you are a relationship expert, just based on who you are and what you've shared with us today. And that being said, um, some of those mentor-mentee relationships are long-lasting. Now, having some of those experiences myself, um, I find that sometimes it can get a little stale. And I am aware that it's important to freshen it up. So helping guide them again in the direction, as you mentioned, to what's important to them and then leading through their shoes. So what do you do or what are some suggestions that you have to help keep that relationship fresh as you're mentoring others? Yeah, I think there's a few things that I do with my own mentors that, especially during times like now where we're not able to see each other face to face or that they work in places that are far, I make it a point to reach out to them every once in a while just to let them know what I'm doing and to, you know, bring up shared interests, um, topics or papers or, you know, projects or things that, that we both are interested in just to remind them that I, I am thinking of them and I care about them and I'm grateful to them for all that they've done for me. And it's a very similar thing for my mentees is uh, I try to make sure that when we're working together, that we have very explicit shared goals. And so, you know, these goals have timelines and that it isn't just necessarily open-ended. There might be components of what we do that's really open-ended, just understanding each other. But, you know, when we're working together, I want them to change the world. I want them to have impact. And that means that we need to be very, very active about what each meeting is about, what our goals are, how we're going to meet those goals, and troubleshooting those goals. And so, you know, keeping things fresh to me is not necessarily just in the meetings or the phone calls or the Zoom meetings that we have. It's really about staying active with a shared goal, a shared mission that we've decided on together and, you know, sticking to a timeline with a goal of impact. Mm-hmm. Certainly shared goals go a long way and, and are most impactful. So what are other thoughts that you might have? We've gotten some great answers from you. Thank you so much for sharing with us today your experience and expertise around mentorship. Anything that we missed or you'd like to touch on? I think one of the things in family medicine that is so special and great is how generous we are. And sometimes it can go to the point where we feel like we're so, we're doing so many things as a family doctor. You know, we're seeing patients and we're teaching and we might be doing research with colleague work and, and mentorship might seem like such a big task. And what I realized is that sometimes it's okay just to do little snippets And the goal is not for someone to call you a mentor, but to serve in that role however you can in the moment you are in. And it almost takes the weight off of of people to to feel like, well, 
you know, am I, am I actually your mentor? Or, you know, am I, am I um, doing everything a mentor should? You know, I think that that formal mentorship is great and wonderful. And if you can do that, it, was, it would be great. But if it's not possible to do the, the, the lowercase m, the small m type of mentorship, the, the snippets and the, and the words of praise and the encouragement and the empowerment to everyone around you that you probably already feel in your heart. And I just hope that I give you permission, encourage you to do, to do that. And, and that kind of mentorship, I think, should never be underestimated. Well, and thank you, Dr. Chang, for your generosity today and sharing your time, your experiences, but most importantly, your passion and enthusiasm for those relationships and building up our mentees and and walking in their shoes and helping them develop what leadership and life looks like to them and, and winning the life game. And thanks again. It's an honor and pleasure. Thank you so much for inviting me. been listening to Academic Leadership Lessons. This podcast is produced by the Society of Teachers of Family Medicine. Visit us at stfm.org and follow us on Twitter at stfm underscore This podcast is copyright Society of Teachers of Family Medicine 2020.